Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This episode of Your Torah is dedicated by Rabbanit Bracha Jaff, in memory of her father, Dr. Yechiel Nyman. There is a story told in Tractate Brachot about Rabban Gamliel II, who after the destruction of the Second Temple, was appointed as the first Nasi, or head, of the Sanhedrin, the Great Council of Rabbis. He was a person known to have great knowledge as well as firm halachic integrity. However, he took his authority too far and shamed other sages in public when he believed that they should follow his ruling and not their own. The third time that he shamed Rabbi Yehoshua, the whole Beit Midrash, the whole study hall, rose up on their feet, ordering Rabban Gamliel to stop teaching and deposing him as Nasi on the spot. In his stead, they appointed Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. The story then continues to tell us that on that day, Bobayom, the doors of the Beit Midrash were thrown wide open. It seems that Rabban Gamliel had only allowed the elite into the Beit Midrash. But on that day, hundreds of benches were added as the guards were removed and anyone who wanted to learn was allowed to enter. On that day, Bobayom, wondrous things happened in the Beit Midrash. All unresolved halachic laws were clarified, and Masechet Eduyot, a complicated and difficult tractate, was finally completed and understood on that day. As to the end of our story, all's well that ends well, Rabban Gamliel realized that he had made an egregious error and went personally to Rabbi Yehoshua to apologize. He was reinstated as Nasi the very next day, but this time on a rotating basis. Three weeks Rabban Gamliel, and one week Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. Hi everybody, my name is Rabbanit Bracha Jaffe, and I am here to talk to you about Masechet Eduyot the tractate of testimonies that was resolved on that day. I received my smicha from Yeshivat Maharat in June of 2017, and I'm currently working as community educator and high school teacher in Betzvila, the largest Orthodox congregation in the United States with almost 1,400 families and a community school with close to 1,000 students. This story about Rabban Gamliel is one of my favorite stories to teach, and I was intrigued by Masachat Eduyot. I wanted to find out more about what makes this tractate so unusual and difficult. Here are some facts about Masachat Eduyot. After the destruction of the Second Temple, the seat of Jewish study was moved from Jerusalem to Yavne, and that is where this tractate was written. It does not deal with a specific topic, rather, it is a potpourri of teachings from different stages that were collected in Kerem Biyavne. To a large extent, these laws take the form of Rabbi so-and-so testified such, hence the name Eduyot, 
testimonies. The Rambam, Maimonides, explains that the main purpose of this tractate is to remember the laws as they were quoted by men who were completely trustworthy. The sages of that time collected all sorts of halachot, items of Jewish law, that they thought were important and wrote them down here in our tractate. The Rambam explains that by writing down these halachot that could possibly be mired in controversy, the sages hoped to forestall arguments and promote peace. This really resonated with me. I know about this from my own family. My father was very stringent about halacha and Jewish customs. He passed away almost 23 years ago. We never wrote down his customs. Rather, we rely on our own memories. Many times, especially before Chagim, the Jewish holidays, there is a flurry of emails, texts, and phone calls. What did Abba do? Did he eat the special foods on Rosh Hashanah before he washed for challah or afterwards? Did he eat the whole meal in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeret, or did he just make kiddush, and so on? There are eight chapters in Masechet Ediot. They are not organized by topic, but rather are grouped by the sages who are quoted within each chapter. Masechet Ediot starts with two very famous rabbis, Hillel and Shammai, and then continues with familiar names such as Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yehoshua from our story, and many quotes attributed to Rabbi Akiva, to name just a few. In the Talmud, this tractate is also known as Bechirta, the Tractate of Choice. The Aruch, a book written in the 11th century that explains difficult words, describes Bechirta as choice halachot, collected from all over the Mishnah. In fact, a goodly amount of the Mishnayot found within this tractate appear in other tractates as well, where that subject matter is discussed. Let us now go back to our story, where the doors of the Beit Midrash were thrown wide open, and so many new students were welcomed inside. Each brought with him teachings and knowledge from his rabbis. The scribes wrote down these quotes and these laws, and thus Masechet Eduyot was finalized Bobayom, on that day. This Masechet is full of so many disparate laws and case studies of legal disputes that they simply could not finalize it until there were enough people from varied backgrounds who could quote their rabbis verbatim, resolve the disputes, and lay out halachic principles at the same time. It was an outpouring of intellectual and spiritual enlightenment that was wondrous to behold. Eduyot can be found in Seder Nizikin, the Order of Damages, which is the fourth order of the Mishnayot and deals largely with Jewish criminal and civil law and the Jewish court system. I would also note that even more quotes were added later on from sages who lived after that time. The topics discussed in Masechet Eduyot are too numerous to mention. Allow me to give you a taste and whet your appetite by learning with you two Mishnayot. The first chapter in Eduyot brings halachot that were disputed between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Perak Aleph Mishnah Bet, Chapter 1, Mishnah 2, discusses the mitzvah of taking challah, 
when baking bread made out of wheat, barley, oat, spelt, or rye. It is a biblical mitzvah to give some of your bread that you are baking to a kohen, a priest who serves in the temple. Today, we don't have the temple, but we still honor the mitzvah by taking off a piece of dough and burning it. This Mishnah discusses the minimum amounts of flour that one needs in order to make the special bracha when taking challah. Here's the Mishnah. Shammai says, One must separate challah from one kav of flour. Hillel says, From no less than two. The Chachamim, sages, say that neither are correct. Rather, they set the minimum at one and a half kav. Lowering it, however, to five-fourths of a kav when the measures were increased. Rabiosi says, not exactly five-fourths, but a trifle above. To recap, Beit Shammai says, you need one kav of flour to make the bracha, between one and a half to two liters. Beit Hillel says, you need two kavim, between three and four liters of flour. Chachamim say, one and a half kavim. However, when the size of a kav was redefined to be a larger volume, you need a smaller percentage of it to take challah. That would be only one and a quarter kavim, not one and a half. Rabbi Yossi disagrees mildly with the Chachamim and says, well, maybe it's a bit over one and a quarter kavim. When learning this Mishnah in depth, I discovered that it's actually a pretty complicated discussion about how much flour is needed. Beit Hillel, Beit Shammai, and Chachamim all deduce the amount from different sources and use different calculations. Bottom line, we follow the Chachamim, which is common when there is a majority opinion and minority opinions. Here comes the second Mishnah. This one is from chapter 5, and it is Mishnah 7. For some background, in the previous Mishnah, the sixth Mishnah, we learn about four laws where a second century Tana, a sage from the time of the Mishnah named Akavia ben Mahalalel, stuck to his interpretation of the Halakha even when the sages who were the majority asked him to defer to them. For this, he was excommunicated. The language of the Mishnah goes like this. While on his deathbed, he, Akavya ben Mahalalel, thus spoke to his son, Reject the four rules I have been teaching. I adhered to them because I had received them from a majority, and the others likewise had them from a similar source. We both, therefore, remain true to our traditions, but you have learned them of an individual and then of a majority. Now it is more advisable to abandon the opinion of the individual and to follow that of the majority. Here's the second part of the Mishnah. Then the son's request to commend him to his friends, he refused, saying, It is not because I find fault with you, but let your own conduct be your recommendation. Let me explain. As Akavya is about to die, he offers some conciliation to the sages by telling his son to retract the statements to which he had previously clung. His son is perplexed by this request of Akavya. After all, 
Akavya was willing to be put into permanent excommunication, to lose his entire standing in the rabbinic community, in order to stand up for the statements which he had made. Why now was he all of a sudden willing to change his mind? Akavya's answer returns us to a principle, which was taught previously in chapter 1, Mishnah 5. When there is a dispute between many sages on one side and a singular sage on the other, the halakha is like the many. Here, Akavya teaches that a tradition that was learned from many sages is stronger and more accepted as a normative halakha than a tradition that was learned from a singular sage. His son had learned only from him. And therefore, the weight of those laws was less than the ruling of the sages, who in the time of Akavya were considered the many. Second part of the Mishnah. The son's final request of his father was that he put in a good word about him with his colleagues. Evidently, although Akavya had been put into excommunication, he retained some ties with other sages. Akavya's final words teach a lesson to all children of leaders. Although Akavya's son was the child of a great teacher, one who was almost appointed to be the head of the court, the son will have to earn his own way into a position of leadership. If he is worthy, he will have the opportunity to achieve high positions as a rabbi. If he is unworthy, a good word from his father will not help him. I will conclude with the words quoted in the very last line of the very last Mishnah in Masachat Eduyot, words that we sing every Motzei Shabbat, Saturday night, after reciting Havdalah at the conclusion of Shabbat. Hinei Anochi Sholeach Lachem Et Eliyah Hanavi Lifnei Bo Yom Hashem הגדול והנורא, והשיב לב אבות על בנים, ולב בנים על אבותם. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. Just as Masechet Eduyot was written to promote peace and end controversy. May we all move towards a time when peace reigns within the entire Jewish community. This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying Your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode Find out more by visiting ukjova.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag YourTorah.